1: And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to Quince.com/slash trip for free shipping at 365-day returns. Hi and welcome to Concussion Talk Podcast. My name is Nick Mercer. I write Concussion Talk blog, www.concussiontalk.com. You can find me on Facebook by searching Concussion Talk, on Twitter and Instagram at Concussion Talk, and you can also check out my ebook Detour, a link to which you can find at the right side of any of my Concussion Talk pages. It's about my bike trip across Canada in two thousand two and my brain injury in 2003. This is the 10th episode of Concussion Talk Podcast, and I'll be talking to Dr. Jess Schwartz, who's a doctor of physical therapy in New York City. She will announce a concussion program for physios, doctors, and others in the new year. I'm on phone with Dr. Jess Schwartz, and I will now get her to introduce herself and talk about her
2: work. Uh, hey Nick, how are you doing today?
1: Good, thanks you.
2: Um, so yeah, so basically, I'm a, I'm a doctor of physical therapy here in the United States, and uh, I'm one of a f- few thousand residency trained uh, physical therapists. Uh, we're we have a doctorate here in uh, the U.S., uh, so we're doctors of physical therapy. And um, I am one of the national spokeswomen for the American Physical Therapy Association, and I am a program director uh, for what's going to be one of the um, world's first concussion education program for doctors and clinicians.
1: So what is the program, and, and what's it all about?
2: Yes. Oh, oh! Thanks for asking, Mick. So, um, essentially, when I was going through my rehabilitation uh, at NYU, I was uh, in a few social media support groups for post-concussive syndrome um, because you know you, you kind of feel like you're going a little crazy when you have so many things going on from something so benign. You know, my my airbags didn't go off, and you know I've had concussions in the past, and I'm like, well, why why am I not healing? Um, you know, as quick, you know, one, two, three months, you know, my third month started to get stressful. Um, So I really started investigating, you know, what's out there. Um, And other than the NYU concussion clinic, there's no other concussion clinic in New York City uh, that was as comprehensive as they had. And it completely made sense because they were identifying things from a deficit approach. Uh, They were looking at vision separately. They were looking at balance and vestibular disorders and you know, had a neck issues, and they really have a stellar squad over there. Um, so I actually decided to uh, build something, and Evidence in Motion and John Childs reached out to me, and they're a fantastic company, so I said, absolutely. Um, so it's essentially going to be a um, post-professional multidisciplinary cl- um, program, Uh, that focuses on the concussion identification, treatment, and management, uh, fostering a rehabilitative team approach. So it's a 12-month program, so it's a full year. Um, And we're going to focus on the latest clinical conversations of evidence-based guidelines, consensus statements, and integrating real-world experiences from patients, providers, and caregivers who have navigated the complex healthcare network of today. Um, So essentially, that's going to be, we're integrating storytelling. Um, because we know that there's no evidence-based medicine for concussions, so we're actually going to bring in real-life people who have actually navigated um, this this complex, uh, you know, healthcare continuum that we that we all live in. Um, so it's interactive and dynamic, and we're going to expose the post-professional student to some of the most influential clinicians in the concussion community. Um, so I'm. I'm about as excited as can be for it Um, and we're bringing everyone in from the emergency medicine to adult neurology, uh, pediatric neurology, um, musculoskeletal management, uh, looking at orthopedic injuries, vestibular medicine, vision rehabilitation, um, wonderful occupational therapists, neuropsychologists, um, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and, and the whole gamut, um, you know, in physical therapy, of course. So um, yeah, it's it's going to be tremendous. And, and the goal really is to facilitate collective competence across the healthcare continuum. Um, so that if, when we are looking at this patient, we're, we're, um, we have no definition, right? We have no common definition and pathway. So when we're looking at this patient, we can have a, a Conversation to, um, you know, be kind of come on the same page and hey, this is what I can do for you, this is what you can do for me, this is what we can do mutually for our patient uh, and try to make him or her better um, as best we can with what we have available. So um, it's going to be unique and tough and it's not going to be an easy program, but um, I think people who are going to get involved with it, um, we're looking at physicians, athletic trainers, physical therapists, occupational therapists. Um, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, nurses—basically anyone that has direct access to a patient. Um, it's pretty much comes down to it's not when you're going um, it's, to. It's not going to be if you're going to treat a concussion patient. It's going to be when. Um, you know, you can be treating an ankle patient. You can be doing just a general, um, you know, yearly exam as a primary care physician or a pediatrician, and then find out someone who was living with a concussion. So. Um, how can we care for these people the best we can, um, so we we prevent the mismanagement that's been hap- that's been happening, um, you know, all over the world. You know, how can we care for these folks well? Um, so I hope to to solve some of those questions and and provide some answers.
1: Well, that, sounds, that sounds really interesting, and really comprehensive. So. so
2: yeah. Cool. Thank you.
1: Okay. Um. And. I guess now I'll ask you about you. You've you've had a concussion.
2: I have. Um, I've had multiple concussions throughout my life, um, especially as an athlete growing up. Um, I played four sports in high school at the varsity level, and um, I did some club uh, in uh, college as well. And I actually sustained my last concussion uh, in October of 2013, and I actually underwent uh, about a year of post-concussive syndrome, uh, where I underwent about 10 hours of therapy a week uh, for about a year. Um, you know, dealing with the various uh, uh, symptoms of my concussion uh, that really affected my whole life and, and um, my work life and social life. So yeah.
1: So so how did it affect your, your, your work and your and your I guess it was social? But your work life and your, or your school, whatever you were doing at the time.
2: Yeah. So I was actually a junior partner of my company. Uh, We had four clinics in the state of New Jersey, and I absolutely loved where I worked, and it was um, where I actually did my residency and decided to stay um, after I finished residency postdoctorally. And I became a partner in 2012 and junior partner in 2013, and it was worth the drive to work with a bunch of people that were on the same page and really passionate about what we do, um, helping people and helping patients. So I was actually at a uh, stoplight in New York City and I was actually hit from behind um, and I didn't see it um, by an unlicensed driver and that's how I sustained my concussion. Um, So I actually ended up leaving work um, for about a year of medical leave um, and I went back and then I decided to pursue um, the public speaking academic route um, to start educating clinicians about that uh, concussion uh, because I kind of went through that profound dichotomy of being both doctor and patient.
1: Uh, Yeah, so that's when we first Connected, I guess, when you were off not off, so it's like the break, but you know, when you're resting, recovering from your That's right, yeah, that's when we yeah. first
2: met. That's absolutely yeah. right. And you were a big part of my recovery. Oh, uh so I so yeah, I always uh hold you close to my heart there. Thanks.
1: Um uh, so so if if you did how much first of all, how much how much do you know about concussion before you hit, before your brain injury?
2: Well, before my hit, we actually um, had four concussion clinics in the state of New Jersey. So, and I've been working with um, athletes uh, my whole entire life, basically from uh, you know growing up in the Pee Wee leagues and coaching and coaching at the collegiate level and the NCAA level, uh, and then obviously getting the doctorate and working with athletes in, in orthopedic residency. Um, and I, I really put athletes on the spectrum from pediatrics to geriatrics because our uh, older populations are, are really as athletic as they ever could be bef- um, than they were before. So we're actually going to have more folks that are 65 and over uh, in 2030 than 17 and under. So um, I always say athletes uh, run the whole spectrum. Oh.
1: So so you know a fair bit about concussion before your head, for injury?
2: Yeah, so uh, I so I so I
1: thought right. Yeah. Uh, I think we we all I know. Can the I, I saw your uh, video you have on your website, that your presentation you did in Denver mm-hmm. recently. Yeah. So if you so I I hope I don't know hope don't know if your view of concussions has changed, but are your thoughts on treating them? But if you knew, if you know, if you knew then what you know now about concussions, or what you've learned by that this point through your own. Through your own research and through your other, through your own research, through your own experience? Would you have we yeah. just done anything differently?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and I think that's why I'd like to be part of um, the conversation and changing how we, you know, triage, treat, and, uh, you know, manage these concussion patients uh, worldwide. Um, and I really think that, you know, you can you can research and you can do things in a laboratory and in the clinic for so long, but when you really experience um, being a patient, um, especially when it's an injury that challenges your whole life from your professional to your personal, to your social and emotional uh, well-being, um, it really is an all-encompassing injury. Um, so you really have to, you know, I, I was able to step back and look at the view from thirty thousand feet, but then I was really, also, right in there, in the trenches, uh, yeah. going through the rehabilitation uh, for that year.
1: I, I saw in your, in your presentation, in Denver, you mentioned that there's MTBIs, but it's mild traumatic brain what concussions are now called. But you'd like to, you'd like to differentiate between MTBI and concussion.
2: Yeah, I really would. Um, I, I think uh, part of the issue that we have globally, is that there's actually not one universal definition for traumatic brain injury, something that we call TBI, and there's not one universal definition for mTBI, uh, mild traumatic brain injury, and I I always say that there's nothing mild about a traumatic brain injury, uh, and there's no universal definition for concussion. So how are we supposed to educate doctors and clinicians on how to do something and kind of be on the same page, let alone the same library or floor, right, um, yeah. if there's no universal consensus on, on what something is. So, you yeah. know, if I'm looking at something and, you know, Dr. Smith and Dr. Brown are looking at something and we're all looking at the same thing and calling it something different, um, how are we supposed to care for our patients well um, and the best we can if we can't even agree on a definition? So uh, I really would like to see, um, to see that change uh, specifically in the mild traumatic brain injury definition Because we we classify mild traumatic brain injury, and and part of that is um, there is a, in the definition of it, is a a duration of unconsciousness. So you can have a a duration of unconsciousness, someone losing conscious, so that. what we think of as someone getting knocked out, right? Yeah. Um, from zero minutes, so you don't have to lose consciousness, and most people that have a concussion don't oh, lose consciousness. Yeah. yeah, that's and that's huge. But thirty minutes, and there's a big Just difference you, between zero and yeah. thirty minutes, right? You know, oh, yeah. so so um, I think we can do better, um, and I think we will, um, and I hope to see that in the next five to ten years. Um, you know, that we can kind of get on the same page. Um, in terms, of, in terms of a definition and that's funny that you asked me that because uh, just today I came across um, something from uh, Doug Smith from Dr. Smith out of UPenn and, and they're working uh, with OneMind on the preclinical traumatic brain injury common data elements and they're trying to form uh, a common language across laboratories because okay. there, there actually hasn't been one clinical phase three clinical trial in research in the last 20 to 30 years that has actually gone through. And part of that is because they don't have a definition and things are too broad. Um, so that's, that's a great question that you asked because I just came across that uh, article today across my desk.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I saw a presentation. Someone's talking about how and mild traumatic brain injury is only mild compared to severe traumatic brain injury. And even that, I mean, cause I had very severe, severe traumatic brain injury, but there's not, there's, I mean, there obviously is correlation, but there's not, it seems like my, my symptoms are a lot different than most people have had concussions or traumatic brain injuries because they call them often. So mm-hmm. it's, it's very different. Indeed, yeah.
2: And, and part of that is because of something called a Glasgow Coma Scale. We, yeah. we see that in the language and literature. People see that on the Internet. I know when they do their searches. And that's something or, called a GCS, GCS, Glasgow Coma Scale. Yeah. And quite frankly, I really call that the guessing coma scale, and a lot of folks call it the garbage coma scale. Um, it's kind of the, the only thing that we've got, and we need something, so this is okay for now, but I think we can do better because a lot of folks that are in the field and in the trenches like um, you know, uh, athletic trainers and or um, paramedics and EMTs and things like that, if you kind of don't have exposure to the Glasgow Coma Scale and you do that often, a lot of the times we don't do that correctly. So then it oftentimes gets graded wrong. Yeah. Um, so so that's that's a big thing as well. But uh, I'll step off my soapbox there.
1: <laughs> well, no, speaking of that, um, so it, can you are you clinically can you clinically diagnose concussion? concussion? Yes.
2: Yeah. So so concussion is a clinical diagnosis. Uh, yeah. Period. And, end and of you, story. And
1: you personally can do that, like in your in your work. Yeah.
2: Yes, correct. So, uh, in the United States, um, all fifty states now have direct access to patients. So, patients don't need a prescription to come see a physical therapist here in the states. There are varying uh, factors at the state level and with insurance carriers, maybe needing a physician prescription first. Um, But with, for all intents and purposes, um, we have direct access. So, the physical therapist um, is part of a primary care team.
0: Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig
2: and we refer out accordingly accordingly um so yes so physical therapists are part of um diagnosing concussion and and taking a full history
1: okay well this this question even more i think probably interesting can you if someone often said my head hurts and i'm pretty sure i think maybe i have a question what, what would you do first of all or just step by step
2: sure that's, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. So essentially, um, you know, we see people in a, in a whole bunch of different pathways, right? Like some folks might come in and say, oh, I hit my head or yeah. I fell down because falls are the number one cause of traumatic brain injury. Uh, motor vehicle collisions are also up there as well. Uh, the sport concussion is actually uh, has some of the lowest prevalence in the world of concussion, but it gets the most Talked about because that's kind of like the sexy thing that people want to talk about our sports. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's good because it's it's started a conversation and and people are listening and are are, are thinking about things differently. So I'm I'm totally fine with that. Um, so depending on the pathway in which the patient has reached me, whether it's an acute yeah. concussion like they yeah. just happened in the last right, yeah. day the, or the, two, the,
1: the it just happened.
2: Yeah, so I would, um, and and really no different than the chronic, you know, the persistent patient, but I do a full exam on them. So an orthopedic screen, a neurological screen, so upper, lower, quarter screens. I check their head and neck orthopedically. Um, I look at their eyes for ocular motor discrepancies, um, you know, testing sensation, you know, up and down just to make sure there wasn't any other more severe brain or spinal cord injury. Uh, You know, God forbid, but we do see that from time to time. Um, and then that wouldn't be classified as a concussion, of course. Um, and, you know, just take a full history. What was the mechanism? Like, how did, what happened? Um, and we know that concussion, you do not have to get hit in the head to get a concussion. So there are these things called subconcussive blows where people can kind of get, like, body checked, like in basketball and hockey. Or if you're in a car accident, um, you don't hit your head, but you have a very severe blow where your brain essentially gets shaken from the reverberation up. Um, and then we can also have if you have a, a service member um, or if there, there is um, an explosion. So there can also be blast injuries. So really taking a full history on the patient from the mechanism of injury, looking at their body from head to toe um, and screening all, all areas of the body, and then really learning about the patient um, pre-injury factors as well is so, so important um, to devising a plan um, and a concussion diagnosis.
1: Okay, so if they came came in for the our doctor's note saying this person had a concussion from a car accident, mm-hmm. would you treat them differently than what you just said? Would you do anything differently or just jump right to
2: Oh no, absolutely not. I, you know, I always um, appreciate a prescription, but m- most prescriptions we get are say, say evaluate and treat, or they do say concussion, and that's fine. But there, we have pain. to take a, we have to take a full history on everyone that comes through, um, just because God forbid something was missed or not mentioned. Um, and you know, in this day of healthcare, you know, most people are rushed, uh, so you want to really make sure to take a full history on the patient, uh, no matter who's referring to you. Um, but it but it's always helpful to have um you know another person on board to talk to uh in uh as a clinician. Okay, well speaking of
1: clinician, where do you where
2: do you work now you do you're a
1: lecturer as well, aren't you now?
2: Yeah, so um after my injury I moved to I left my company um and of about five years and I uh where am I now? I'm a program director for what I believe to be the world's first concussion education program. Um, it's going to be a year-long program. We're going to launch in March. We're going to go public very soon um, and announce that. But it's going to, you know, we have about 15 faculty and 15 guest speakers. And I'll be teaching and program directing as well. Uh, so I'm about as excited as can be uh, yeah. and busy as can be yeah. uh, <laughs> with that as well right now.
1: So I should so, so that's in New York, in New York, or?
2: Well, that's going to be with a, a fantastic company called Evidence in Motion. Okay. Um, and Evidence in Motion, um, is a is a wonderful company, and it's actually an online company. So basically, um, anywhere in the fifty states, someone can take this course online, and there'll be a one weekend intensive. And we're also going to offer it internationally as well.
1: So one weekend intensive, they go. You, I'll pick somewhere You go there, and you can teach them manual techniques, or.
2: Yeah, I'm going to basically remove this, uh, review the psychomotor properties of what it takes to to triage, treat, and manage a concussion patient. So, you know, various testing, uh, because the bottom line is, and really the bottom line, there's no evidence-based medicine for concussion. Um, So people kind of have um, consensus statements and uh, communication and case reports and case studies and really don't know what to do with all the information because someone may be trained in neuro or ortho or vestibular medicine or vision, um, but, you know, the the nature of a concussive injury is all-encompassing. Yeah. So you're looking at physical, emotional, cognitive, so often sleep issues. Um, so we have to make sure that we address that, and I'll be addressing it from a rehabilitative team approach. Um, You know, looking at specifically looking at deficits, uh, looking at temporal, um, identifying temporal pathways of you know addressing treatment, um, and trying to um, bridge that all together from an ortho and neuro perspective. So, so it's going to be it's going to be a busy and a neat uh, program.
1: (laughs) That sounds exciting, and actually, because I mentioned to you earlier. I watched the uh, I watched the video of you, your presentation your presentation in mm-hmm. Denver, and you mentioned a fair bit about general screening. How you can be a specialist in one thing, but it doesn't mean you're good at everything. So, how important do you think general screening is for people who have had conditions? General screening for every area, as you just mentioned.
2: Uh it's it's probably the number one most important thing. Um you know, we really have to look at the patient as a person and we have to look at all aspects of their life. Um so, you know, everything from their social, emotional, uh and we call this biopsychosocial model, uh where we're looking at the person, we're looking at their environment, we're looking at their injury, we're looking at what potential life and or social stressors they may be having, you know, um so, so, yeah, so a, a general screening is very important to uh, identify early deficits like vision, uh, which are generally uh, tend to be ocular motor issues, um, vision, mood, behavior, um, balance, somatosensory things. Do they have an amnestic event? Um, are they dizzy? Oh, what? Sorry, what is it? Like an amnesia. They would call okay, it an amnestic, amnestic. event. Okay. Yeah. Do they remember? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Do they remember the injury? Um, Are they noise and light sensitive? Do they have fatigue? You know, are they just angry all the time? Can they concentrate? Can they remember? So really, looking at all domains of what makes a person a person is so important when evaluating this injury, um, because you're not just treating an ankle. You know, folks really understand, you know, an ankle sprain. So when I when I treat or, or talk or triage folks that call me up from all over the world. You know, I completely remove the brain and remove that part of the conversation, and people tend to understand. Like, if they hurt a bone, you know, bones heal about six to eight weeks if they there's no presence of any other abnormal abnormalities. So, people get it. They see it. They can see a swollen ankle, and then they understand that hey, we have to like get your range of motion back and then we can weight bear to full weight bearing and then we can start training in straight planes and then lateral cuts and then we can jump around with plyometrics and then you go back to practice and then game play. But a concussion is an invisible injury uh, and people don't often understand that um, and they often don't understand how it can affect your life as an all-encompassing injury. Um, so really, having a really skilled clinician to look at all aspects and that general screen that we're talking about is so important because we really want to set folks up for success. To be order in order to treat, refer as needed, communicate the referral is really important. You can't just refer someone out that has a concussion. You have to kind of give the referring clinician, um, you know, a little bit more information to set them up for success. Um, so yeah, so there, there's a whole bunch of, um, things that kind of go into, uh, a general screening.
1: So I uh, obviously, this is very important to you because you've, like said, you've had a concussion. So what were your, what were your main symptoms, your, your main issues you think from your concussion? Yeah, January.
2: well I could I it'd probably be easier to say what what what, oh, were, okay, well, what or, <laughs> No no I'll, uh that's a good, that's a great question, Nick. So so yeah, so I had um headaches and migraines pretty regularly. Um I was dizzy and had balance issues. I did not like initially I didn't like noise, so we called that um and I, then I still don't. Yeah, really yeah, like, and, and that's like really
1: loud noise, like just kinda of ridiculous, but
2: yeah, and that's probably why you like to do um, Pilates so much because yeah. it, that Pilates is something that soothes the nervous system. So our nervous systems kind of get all hot and bothered when we have a head yeah. injury. Um, so anything to soothe the nervous system is so very important. From you know taking warm baths and uh, warm showers to meditation, yoga, Pilates. Um, so you know you you already tapped into some of those pathways yeah. that helped out. Um, So, yeah, uh, light sensitivity. I had uh, neuro fatigue was a big one for me as I started to become more um, functional. Uh, I was irritable. And it sucks being a woman and being irritable, especially me being a doctor of physical therapy and, you know, knowing that I shouldn't be angry at someone taking my parking spot and that I usually would be able to just kind of get over that in a few minutes.
1: Was it a good parking spot, though?
2: I was and I live in New York City, Nick. So you know that's like fighting for your life there. You know, so, um, so yeah. So so all of those things: poor concentr- uh, poor concentration initially, um, poor short-term memory initially. But um, I went through quite a bit of uh, rehabilitation uh, with neuropsychology and vision rehabilitation, which was huge. Vestibular rehabilitation and physical therapy for my head and neck because uh, I did have a whiplash uh, injury as well. Okay. So. Um so yeah, I kinda went through it all. Mm-hmm. Um and I would say if I had to pick two that my vision uh my uh, top one yeah. would be my vision. Uh it's really so my I biggest say. issue. Yeah. yeah, and you know that for sure.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. So well you mentioned earlier that you played a lot of sports in high school and still we'll club teams now. But um so obviously those can those issues don't they really would affect any sport any any athletics you were doing but what did what did you play? Or what do you still play or play again now?
2: Yeah, so that's a, that's a another great question. So I was actually an avid cyclist, um, and that's where I kind of put my love and uh, time, money, because being a cyclist is expensive. Those little jerseys yeah. are tiny, but they're expensive. <laughs> Um, and the lighter your bike, the more expensive it gets. So, um, you know, I had a, a great full carbon bike, a Truck Madone, and it was cool because that was the bike that Lance Armstrong had. So I always felt cool when I, when I hopped on it. Um, so the day before I got hit, I, I actually did a, a 52 mile bike ride. Okay. And, um, you know, which was ironic that I, I made it through that. And just sitting mm-hmm. at a red light, you know, someone's uh, irresponsible behavior, uh, texting and driving, uh, you know, kind of changed my life forever. Um so I actually do not bike ride right now. Um, you know, bike riding is a TBI sport and neither I don't,
1: neither do I. I don't yeah. position bounce.
2: Yep, and you, you're connected to that for sure. Um so for right now in my life I've put that on hold. I I'd say that's probably the, one of the most uh personally painful things that I've had to kind of put a halt on because yeah. I really do love cycling. So but I do spin uh, and I go to the gym uh more regularly. Uh, you know, now and kind of get into a spin class and I've just recently taken up some kickboxing, you know, obviously protecting my head, but yeah. like the classes with the bags, nothing crazy. Um, and I've been really just appreciating nature. So I've been really enjoying hiking and getting out and going for a walk and just appreciating that I can do that now. Um, you know, cause I wasn't able to do that before.
1: Ah, that's, 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 that's great. That's yeah. Nature and like, and just, I I've heard kickboxing is actually Really good workout. Oh yeah!
2: Oh yeah! So. I couldn't sit down for like two days. The first yeah. day I did, it, but it's it's great. <laughs> yeah. well, so it's nice to feel like an athlete again.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Jess. Do you have any other? Do you have any questions yourself, or if not, this has been a great chat.
2: Yeah, no problem. Um, you know, I I always say if people want to find me, uh, they can find me at uh, Twitter at uh, DPT to go uh, DPT like Doctor Physical Therapy. The number two go. Uh, And if you would like to email, please feel free. It's jessica at pt2go.co. And I'll be uh, doing some launching the program for Evidence in Motion in March. So there should be some uh, news and press about that in the next month or two.
1: And your website is...
2: PTO. Uh PT to go. Co. Yeah. Dot uh, co, not dot com. Everyone looks for PT to go. Dot Dot com. But yeah, PT to go. Dot co. So feel free to uh, reach out to me via that pathway as well.
1: Oh, great. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great, it's a great website. It's look, that's where I found your actually I found your Denver, Denver presentation, on your from your Twitter page actually. But, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. I'm still working on my uh, public speaking. So I, uh, I'll be at the uh, pink concussions conference. It's the uh, world's first women concussion conference in February at Georgetown med, right, uh, cool. February 27th. So I'll be speaking there. So well, I'll uh, up my, my public speaking ante uh, for that, for that conference.
1: If anybody is going to be in Washington, DC, then check, check that out in February. Check that out.
2: Absolutely. But, Absolutely.
1: Uh, yeah. So thanks so much. Jess It was great talking to you. And, uh, Thank you so much for your time.
2: No problem, Nick. I'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks. Take care.
1: Thanks again to Dr. Jess Schwartz. You can find links to her Twitter account, her website, and her EIM Evanson Motion Program, which will be announced in March on my article for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you listen again in 2016. As always, music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound, www.bensound.com.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more